Internetters. This is welcome, Internetters. This is the Empire in Exile podcast, episode number eleven. We are coming at you tonight with a little bit different topic than Dorf and I. Dorf is, of course, my co-host. As always, I am Josh Houselander. And we are coming at you, sorry for the strange start, but we're, we're coming at you with a little bit different kind of show tonight than we have done in the past. This show doesn't typically um, gravitate towards the extremely topical. It, uh, you know, we talk a lot of theory here. We talk um, a lot of and it's all And it's also, also a byproduct of, I mean, this is the first time I think we've recorded in six weeks. Uh, we've missed only one week of, of episodes. Uh, I mean, at one point we had a bank of like five, so <laughs> this is, uh, right. You know, we're, uh, right. we, yeah, we do a lot of, pre- we do a lot of pre-recording of, you know, for, for this show. It's, uh, it's just kind of working as we, uh, get this new show off the ground. It's going great so far, but this show is being recorded on a Monday night. It's going to go, we're going to, this I'm is going to post tomorrow the, at the, the normal the time. The goal is to have it up by 7am tomorrow. That is in 10 hours. So. We'll see if there's enough time to do we'll all see. the uh, the behind-the-scenes stuff afterwards. But it'll, we'll if see the worst comes that. to worst, it'll be up shortly tomorrow. thereafter. Yeah. Sometime on um, the 18th of October, we can we can be certain. And uh, you know, don't 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 rush too much, Dorf. If you know the the early rise of October, get right man. Early 18th of October. It's only August, dude. <laughs> oh, did I say October? Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 18th of August. 2020. It's been a weird year, that is for sure. Lockdown plus um, six. And that's what we're going <laughs> to... Yes. This is the six-month anniversary today of me starting to work from home. Actually, five months. Sorry, five months. Yeah. Jeez, really? Yep. Wow. I, I didn't realize that. No, um, listen, a lot of people know me. Not like I'm some big celebrity or something. I'm not saying that at all, but I have been podcasting for a long time um, since Dorf was like in middle school or something. Um, and a lot of the people that know me, um, know me for my contributions to the competitive video game scene. Um, I started years ago doing the Twin Galaxies podcast for Walter Day in Twin Galaxies, uh, worked for Pete Bouvier through Twin Galaxies for, um, you know, several years, hosted Settled on the Screen, and of course, you know, even when um, I moved on to the X-Cast, where I'm at Dorf, uh, at TheEmpireMedia.com, Adam Hernandez and I, we still, our show wasn't about video games, but we hosted many a video game personality and interviewed Billy Mitchell and Phil Day in the who's who of the video game world. Another podcast that I did that um, was released on a couple formats, but mostly through the EmpireMedia.com as well, which is where, again, where Dorf and I met and began working on our projects. But um, another show I hosted was produced through them called The House Lander and Freddy Hour. Many of you may already know that my co-host on that show, Rudy Ferretti, was recently involved in a horrific tragedy. And if the reports are correct, although Mr. Freddy is no longer with us, he wasn't exactly the victim in this tragedy. As it turns out, he and his ex-girlfriend were found together dead 
Um, it appears that she had a gunshot wound to her head. He had a gunshot wound to his head. And it is believed by law enforcement and to be the official story. Well, it, it is believed, and there is no argument at this point that I know of, that both gunshot wounds were done by Rudy himself, that this was a, a murder-suicide situation. I have no idea what was going through his head at the time. I don't know how premeditated any of this was. Um, I, I'm not here to... Um, I'm not here to make that conjecture, but um, we're going to discuss some of that tonight. Um, again, th this is not about me by any means. I don't. I hope no one thinks that. I hope I don't come across that way. But I did, because of my relationship with Rudy for so many years, I did feel compelled to do a show about this tragedy and to, um, you know, to make it clear make a few things clear or to at least speak out at uh, speak out about it in in some way shape or form i want to be extremely clear as well that we all know that the 46 year old woman amy Moulter, who who died in this tragedy is is the true victim here and by me talking more about rudy because that's the person i knew or because we had the same, you know, connection. We had a similar connection to a subculture, the competitive gaming subculture, that that I think, you know, Rudy's end of the tragedy was more tragic than, than hers. I, I do not think that. Um, I, I don't think anyone should. But we will be discussing, you know, him for the most part today. This won't be the last time I say this, but you know, I, I'm praying for for the family of of Amy. I didn't know her well, but I did know her a little bit. She always seemed like a great person to me. I I don't know anything of, about. I, I know very little about her. I'm not trying to say I did. She always seemed like a real sweetheart to me, and um, I, I'm sure her family is absolutely heartbroken by this tragedy. Um. Last I heard, it wasn't, you know, I mean, this is being reported that it was his ex-girlfriend. I imagine that's the case. It'd been some months since I talked to Rudy. It, it was just, it was his girlfriend at the time, last time I talked to him. But I, I have no idea what um, what brought this about. But again, Amy Moulter is the real victim here, and she should not be forgotten. Um, I said, when... You know, I was with Empire Media. I, I hosted the House Lantern and Freddy Hour. Um, it was kind of a just a rapid thing that just kind of came in and out. Um, no set timing for the shows. We'd try to, much like Dorf and I now, we would try to just back up a few and um, get them posted when we could. But that was for, I want to say, over two years that uh, we hosted that show together. Um, Rudy was a guy who was very controversial. In a lot of ways, um, he, um, you know, made a lot of enemies over the years. Uh, made a lot of friends too, um, but made a lot of enemies. He was a very controversial guy, um, and our show was controversial. It was. I mean, and I'm not gonna sugarcoat the idea that 
basically the main reason we stopped doing the show was because it got too controversial. You know, I, I couldn't handle some of the controversy that um, that Rudy was uh, was causing. So so we stopped doing it. Him and I still talked about maybe doing future projects. Um, that obviously will not come to fruition. Um, I also want to say that Rudy was um, he was my friend. You know, he, he was. Uh, I actually thought, uh, although he was definitely a troubled individual, that um, deep down Rudy was actually a, a, a pretty good person. Um, and if someone told me that this stuff was going to happen two weeks before it did, I I will be the first to admit that I probably would have said to that person that, no, you're, you're that's not that's not true. Rudy's harmless. You know, I know he says a lot. He, um, he's, but he's all talk, and uh, you know, there's nothing to fear from him. He's totally harmless. It looks like I was wrong. Um, you know, in, in some of those ways I thought about him, and uh, you know, that's on me. I'm not anything, but but I'm not going to deny or or try to jump sides or pretend like I wasn't friends with Rudy Freddy. I was, I was, you know, um. In fact, uh, you know, I at, at times he was even kind of a good friend to me, which is why I thought he was a better person than maybe he was. Um, I want to, while we, you know, have this, you know, kind of going here, um, I want to uh, do some kudos to... Uh, the competitive gaming, you know, to the CAG scene, some people call it, or the, you know, gaming subculture, um, the the offshoot of Twin Galaxies, if you will, um, of the old Twin Galaxies, or what, what's left of Twin Galaxies. Um, I know a lot of them do speedrunning and stuff now, too, but, uh, you know, I, I still kind of consider it the Twin Galaxies scene. I want to really give some props to them, because... Rudy did have some enemies in that scene, and uh, the vast majority of the people I'm seeing are being very graceful and very classy in what they're saying about him. And for the people that are doing that, I, you know, I, you will all remain nameless. You know who you are, but I know several people, a couple really pop into my head that had some direct and serious issues with with Rudy, but who have remained completely classy through this and um, have done and said nothing but the right things. So, I, you know, those people know who they are, and it's most of you. You know, it's most of us. Most of us in the scene, I think, have um, done the right thing through all this. Um, so like I said, he, he did have a lot of enemies, but just because you have an enemy within a, you know, it, it's, it's like, uh, arguing with somebody over sports or over, you know, a movie or over something else. It's, doesn't mean that you want this to happen or that you think this is going to happen just because you don't like that person, you know? Um, <laughs> um, of course though, there always has to be a couple bad apples, and um, I don't want to have to, you know, do this, but um, 
I, I'm not going to have these people remain nameless. And basically, there has to always be a couple opportunists, um, a couple people who try to take a tragedy and jump all over it and turn it around for their own benefit. And we knew that, uh, let, let's, you know, for those of us who are familiar with the scene, who are involved in the scene, we, we basically all knew that Patrick Patterson and Kat Despira would be those people. Um, I wish I could tell you that it wasn't one of my first thoughts when I heard about, when I heard this news. You know, I heard this news, that was last Wednesday. I'll be honest, I've thought about very little since that day. This is uh, really weighing me down, and it's been on my mind a lot over the last week. But I want to say within an hour of me finding out, I had the thought, what what terrible thing is Patrick Patterson going to say about this? How is he going to take this and try to use it for personal gain? And um, he certainly didn't disappoint. He actually came out even harder than I thought he would and has made some terrible and egregious accusations against people that, uh, and I'm not talking about against Rudy. Rudy is, we all, we all know the tragedy of, of Rudy Ferretti at this point, and um, he will not be here to defend himself anymore, so there's no sense in having that those arguments with him anymore. He's no longer here to defend himself. He never will be again. Uh, but as for people like Patrick Patterson, like Kat Despira, who I know are hearing this, I know they're going to hear this podcast. They're going to then say that they didn't, um, just like when I was hosting the X-Cast, and they would tell me that they've never heard of it and never listened, and then they would have intimate knowledge of everything that was said on the on the show. So we know that's out there, um, and I feel that... I would be doing something wrong if I didn't at least publicly say one time that Patrick Patterson and Kat Despira are terrible people. They are awful people in um, you know in this scene, and they should absolutely be ashamed of what they're doing. Of course, again, it doesn't. Pale in compare it pales in comparison to the real tragedy at hand here, but the things that have been said by Patrick Patterson especially are not just mean, they're not just rude, they're not just lies. We've seen meanness, rudeness, and lies from him plenty of times over the years, but it's crossed that line. It, it's not just those things anymore. It's dangerous, actually. It, it's dangerous things that he is saying about other people. And um, it should stop. It really needs to stop. So I'm I'm not going to say anything else about that that aspect of it. Um, I know I'm kind of rambling here. I've you know got a lot on my mind with it. I've got a lot to say. I'm not going to say anything else about those two. Um, I wish they'd stop. I, I you know I I pray that they get on with their life and they go. Um, just, just stop and uh, move on and see that 
what they're doing is not only not helpful, but it's it's downright terrible, and it's actually quite dangerous um, to the livelihood of others. Um, unfortunately, I didn't know if I should say this or not. Um, in this, you know, I will off off that subject. Um, hopefully, forever. I don't ever need to talk about you know, certain people ever again. I, I hope I don't feel compelled to talk about them ever again. But I, I wasn't sure if I was going to want to take um, take this uh, in this direction or not, but I feel like with, um, with the passing of Rudy in the horrific and tragic way that he did pass, that this ignites some, uh, you know, this ignites some conversations about video games and about life and about the world around us that, um, uh, you know, have been going for years. And, you know, the idea of violent video games leading to violent actions by people, violent movies leading to violent actions of people being a, a cause of this. And the only reason I bring this up is because I've, if it, it wouldn't be hard to find a podcast of me talking about how I think that's nonsense. You know, how I, I don't think, you know, I, violence has existed. We, we all know that violence certainly pre, predates movies and predates video games. We all know that. And Dorf, if you, you know, feel that you want to chime in on this at any point, I, you know, that's this is kind of going into a, just a, a more obtuse topic. But I, I finally have you know, something we all... to potentially add here. I I, <laughs> I knew the name uh, Rudy Ferretti, and that's about it. So um, I, don't, I don't really have any, or and I know nothing of anybody else you've mentioned so far tonight besides Rudy. So... Um, well, right, and and if for those of you who listening who don't know, Dorf and I, you know, got our start together, or we met each other through the EmpireMedia.com, but we hosted different shows. We, um, yeah, you know, and for the longest time, our, our for the longest time, our you know our interaction was, hey, dude, how's it going? As you walked yeah, out, it, and I walked it, in. It really was. I walked out. You know, you walked into the studio, and I walked out. So, um. And then I think we did we did a show together for just over a year where we were in studio together pretty much every week. But I mean, and then now this. So, but that, my understanding is when you were doing shows with Rudy Ferretti predates us doing something on a weekly basis together. So it was in the Rudy Ferretti show. Although I mean, I, I don't want anything coming down on the Empire Media. Um, which we're not directly involved with here. I don't want anything coming down because when it came to the Houselander and Freddy Hour and their relationship with the Empire Media, it was it was just a mercenary one. Rudy and I did that show completely on our own, and you know it was just released through the Empire Media. It wasn't produced. It wasn't. Uh, it certainly wasn't endorsed by it. And uh, the old, uh, you know program director, if you will, over there, Adam Hernandez, you know, often didn't like the show, but we, we can, you know, he posted he it anyway. It, yeah. He, he allowed it to be on the, um, 
know, he allowed it to be on the network because it got some traction. And because, well, quite frankly, because he liked me. And I, you know, begged him and said, please post this for me. Um, but please, you know, nothing should come down on, on, you know, the Empire Media or Adam for anything that was said back then. Okay. Um, but yeah, like Dorf said, that was, you know, that was our relationship then. So he, he knew nothing of this at the time. He had his own shows to host and, you know, articles to write and things to do. Yeah. No, and, and I was, we were pretty exclusive. Uh, my, my relationship with them was pretty exclusively sports at the time. So, um, yeah, but, uh, getting back to where you were going here, um, with the idea of violence predating, you know, digital entertainment entirely. Um, and if anything, you know, there has been scientific study on whether violent video games or violent movies cause violence, and not a single one has ever shown any causal link uh, in those two things at all. Now, the I wouldn't call myself a cultural conservative, but the you know little bit that of that that there is in me would say that well, I mean, you know, just culture in general has become more degenerate since the the prevalence of you know degenerate entertainment has been has grown so therefore there must be you know there's correlation well I, the the data side of me says eh, not so fast so um but the idea that you know the reason that violence occurs is because somebody played some violent video games is you can't say in a macro perspective that uh, there's any causation there. Um, I didn't know Rudy. I, I've only read what you've you've shared with me about uh, this this specific situation. But the idea that from a macro perspective that there's any link between violent entertainment and uh, violence is nonsense. Um, you've, you're living in the most peaceful time in the history of the world. Stop trying to make something out of nothing. You know, Dorf, I, I agree with you. And, you know, I, I, I was, again, I was torn with this because I feel a little bit like, um, you know, like uh, Fox News or CNN where there's a uh, school shooting and then they have to take that moment to reignite the gun debate. And, and that's not... Leads, man. Yeah, you know, exactly. And we're... That's not what Dorf and I are trying to do here, but it just... It does... Um, you know, I and you know, it's, you know, Dorf. I'll, I'll be honest. Stop me if this sounds. I, I'm not. I certainly am not trying to um, make this about me or anything. But I've been a guy who, you know, I at one point I was known as you know a video game journalist. That was that was my thing. And I've always held held those views that violent violent video games aren't really my thing. Actually, that I don't really care for them. Um, I'm more of a retro, you know, I play games like Bubble Bobble and Adventures of Lolo and, you know, cutesy things like that. I don't but, even know what those are. <laughs> <laughs> you should know what Bubble Bobble is because you're taught, you co-host a show with the Bubble Bobble world record holder. Oh man, um, not, you, gave, you just gave me homework. <laughs> um, one of them, I just on the multiplayer platform. But anyway, um... But, you know, I, I've, I've talked about this a lot over the years, and, um, you know, and I've said that I, I don't think there's any correlation, and I don't think that, 
you know, a violent video game or a violent movie makes one violent. But there is part of me that now thinks, God, I, I probably shouldn't say that. I, you know, maybe well, I shouldn't Josh, say that anymore be because stand your ground on that because if anything, there, there's the limited scientific study there has been on the topic. It actually shows that violent video games specifically actually are likely to reduce violence because you know non-deadly violence because lots of times non-deadly violence is perpetrated specifically by younger men um, because they don't have an outlet to a, a, another outlet to sure. it, it, express uh, frustration, uh, disappointment, and anger. Uh, well, violent video games happen to be a way to do that for a lot of people. And if anything, the being able to get that out of your system and, you know, maybe you cuss somebody out on a microphone wall in a multiplayer lobby on Call of Duty is, you know, it, or, you know, even if it's a single player game, you know, I don't know, pick one. I don't, I don't play a lot of, I, you know, I play some multiplayer stuff in a lot of sports games. That's, that's what I do. But, um, the opportunity to get that out of your system instead of uh, beating somebody up in real life, you get to beat them up in a video game, and, and that same release is achieved. I think that's a. If anything, you could have to put that down in a positive category. I think so too, Dorf. I I always have. I I always thought that that was um that it made more made a lot more sense, quite frankly, and that it just seemed um seem more true, if nothing else. But I just, I feel like, uh, I don't know, you're probably, you're too young for this story. But remember back in the Monica Lewinsky days of Bill Clinton, um, uh, you were probably I a toddler or something. Diapers, yeah. Okay, you well, but, you, but you're a smart guy and you've read it all. You know, at, at the time Bill Clinton was being crucified in the media for, um, you know, cheating on his wife with a young intern in the Oval Office, Monica Lewinsky. And at the time, Newt Gingrich was the Speaker of the House. House, yep, Republican. And he's, you know, just on cable news or whatever news was back then, criticizing the hell out of Bill Clinton, talking about how, how could he do this, how could he do this to his wife. And as it turns out, he was cheating on his wife, like, right then. Oh yeah, yeah. like he, he had a mistress, like right then. He, he had a mistress while he was saying all those things. And maybe this is not a, the perf- this is far from a perfect ima- analogy. Maybe it's not even a good analogy. I don't know. But I just feel like anytime I say try to say something about violent video games in the future or that anything I've said about them in the past or violent movies for that matter, people are going to say, well, but then again, Josh Houselander hosted a show with a guy who had world record on violent video games. And well, I'm we sorry. This is this is America. We don't do guilt by association. Yeah. So I, I just well, despite, again, despite maybe, the, the much of modern the modern discussion trying to push that, uh, I ain't doing it here. So that won't. You right. know, as far as I'm concerned, in the realms I have control over, we're not doing that. So you know, and maybe this is uh, maybe this. I I don't want to. I don't want it to seem like I'm putting. I'm making it about me. I don't want to, but maybe I am to some degree. I I, I apologize for that if I am. Also, I think what it's what I'm doing in my head is it, it's 2020, and I'm trying to get ahead of the cancel culture. 
you know. <laughs> I don't not not that I'm some big star or something, but I do plan to continue doing podcasts and I don't want to just be canceled by uh by the powers that be, by the the court of public opinion, if you will, because of association, you know. Because I said certain things and then uh an isolated specific incident um, could be used to prove yeah. me wrong. Yeah, you know? come and complain to me. Yeah, I, I technically own all the property here. Um, first <laughs> off, good luck getting a hold of me. Secondly, I'll probably just laugh at you. Uh, thirdly, um, lol. <laughs> thirdly, um, one and two again. Yeah, <laughs> repeat steps one and two. Yeah. No, it's, it, you know. You know. Cancel culture. Oh, do we all right, Dorf? Yeah, we're all right. Cancel culture is stupid. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not. You're not. Uh, it is. Um, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You're, no, you're right. And, um, listen, when it comes to, uh, um, you know, I guess on the other hand, one could, uh, by by that crazy logic, one could say, if Twin Galaxies never uh, would have banned Rudy Ferretti, then uh, maybe he would have kept playing those games and you know could have uh, had his outlet. But I, that's that's maybe I shouldn't even say that because I'm certainly not trying to ban you know I'm certainly not trying to blame Twin Galaxies for for what happened. We we all know what happened. We all know who is at fault. And as I've been trying to state over and over again, we all know who the true victim was in this tragedy. Amy Mulder. I don't want to not say her name. Just, you know, because that's it's important. It's important that she's remembered for that. For um Well, I hope she's remembered not just for this. You know, I, I hope she's remembered for, for good things. Um and again, you know, I, you know, speaking of cancel culture, I was in my mind, I was going to say that my thoughts and prayers were with her, but that's another thing that's been ruined by that that culture is that you're you're not allowed to say thoughts and prayers anymore. That's made fun of. You get you get criticized for saying that. But I will be thinking about her, and I have been praying about her and her family and Rudy's family and um, anyone who's hurt by this tragedy. I will be thinking about them and praying for them throughout it. Um, there's a. Uh, it, it was allows. It, it's a terrible situation. It's a terrible situation, and I struggle a lot with. Should I say something publicly? Should I not? I went with yes, hence this show today, and um, I hope people think that's the right call. You know, and and if people think it was the wrong call for Dorf and I to come on today and for me to talk about this. Well, I, I hope that you at least acknowledge that I, I I did it for the right reasons, or at least it's, even if I fail today at saying the right things, I hope people realize I'm trying to do it for the right reasons and just trying to do the right thing, be be a good person, and um, you know throw myself out there for for what it was. Um, I didn't think it was right to say nothing about this. Um, we we weren't. Uh, we weren't best friends. It had been some months since I spoke to him, but uh, we were we were close though for for you know for several years. Um, 
and I'm not going to pretend like I wasn't his friend, and I'm not going to uh, pretend like I didn't spend hundreds of hours speaking with Ferretti on the phone, um, on and off air. You know, for every for every hour of podcasting there is of Rudy and I on air, times that by five, and that's how much we spoke. So I, I thought I knew him. I did. You know, I really I thought I knew him pretty well, and it's why I defended him a lot. You know, when when other people would <laughs> criticize him, and, and most of his criticism he earned and was proud of, but um, it's why I defended him a lot because. I thought, you know, ah, he's just, he's just Rudy, just whatever. Be what it be, you know, who cares? It's just, he's just being Rudy. It's, it's an act, it's his show, it's his, it's his shtick. But, um, maybe it wasn't, um, you know, uh, the, uh, a lot of people have said that, um, Rudy was the type of guy that would just, he was always trying to further himself, or he was always trying to, um, you know, just, he was all about him. But that's kind of a strange criticism of him, too, because everything he did ended up crashing and burning when it came to the uh, competitive scene. You know, I mean, he, yeah, he, he went nuts on Twin Galaxy. They banned him for life. I think he's banned for like 470 years or something was the, the, the final ban that came down. Okay. Um, I want to say it was 400 and something years after they added up all his uh, all the things he did that they didn't approve of. Um, you know, he was he was banned from Twitch. He was banned, he was banned all over the place. So it's hard to say. Oh, he he just did it to further himself. Well, I I don't know. <laughs> I think he um, maybe maybe he just uh, was a guy that just. It, it would it would be I, I don't think people would argue back before this happened that he was a man who lacked self control and that in the most unfortunate possible way seems to be the case now. Um I guess the question we should raise and I'm not here to answer this question. I'm not, but I, I don't know if if you know people that Act like that, you know. Should we make? Should we take them more seriously, and not, you know, just say uh, that's that's just so and so, or that's just uh, it's, you know that that's just how he is, or in general, he's it's, harmless. It's easy enough to Monday morning quarterback. Um, this is going to sound right. awful, but and and very much like some of the things you're hearing out of. Uh, people who claim to be spokespeople for uh, BLM right now, which overall you've, we've, you, we've done that show. Neither of us are, are big fans. Um, right. At this point, uh, calling the cops on somebody is a, while small, still a definite possible chance that they'll be killed. Uh, there was a gentleman, I believe it was in Arizona, that him and his girlfriend were playing Crash Bandicoot together, being loud and making salsa in the middle of the night. Um into the door with his legally owned firearm, dropped it, um, and was to uh, essentially cops answering a noise complaint, uh, in which his neighbor, his, uh, who called it in, uh, made up some bullshit about domestic violence to make the police come faster. Uh, he was shot and killed by the police after dropping his weapon. 
his legally owned personal defense weapon. Ah, Jesus. So the the idea that being overly cautious, I, 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 I'm ashamed to say I don't remember his name off the top of my head. It's in the It happened, I believe, actually uh, the week before George Floyd, but uh, didn't make the national news until last week. The the scary part is any sort of police, you know, and even in general, this is before, you know, George Floyd or, or the existence of Black Lives Matter, the political organization or anything like that. The, the every interaction with law enforcement does have the potential to become deadly um, for all, all parties involved. Because at least one of them is armed. Yeah. And there's not much chance, you know, that uh, you, you can't take a bullet back that's already been fired. And, and unfortunately, hair triggers are a thing and people having bad days are a thing um, because they're humans. Sure. So the idea that we should just tell somebody or speak up when we assume the worst in people is not a, is not a great idea. Handle it yourself. If you're really that concerned... Deal with it yourself. Don't don't outsource that to somebody else. I, I'm with you, Dorf. I'm not a, I'm not a big call the cops guy. Yeah. You know, if I'm you're, sorry. If to you're interrupt that you. concerned about somebody's well being, step up and deal with it yourself. Don't don't put the a third party involved here, who you know. And here's here's one of the things that uh, I, I would say rightly you know BLM rightly criticize. The lack of training in law enforcement. Yeah, most of them have a four-year yeah. degree in in um, criminal justice of some sort, and they probably have, if they're looking for a big city department, they probably have a second language as well. Um, but they get a less than year-long academy and minimal, minimal, minimal continuing ed. Very minimal yeah. continuing ed. Well, the, and, you know, the idea the truth that is too, we, we ask anybody else in professional service that handles a firearm, that being military or otherwise, that essentially the ratio of training to combat, unless of course you're act, I mean, actively deployed guys is combat, 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 with training a little bit. But the idea that we don't, you look at even some of the best guys. So Jocko Wilnick, ex Navy SEAL, he, he also trained SEALs. Now he's he's big time on the podcast circuit. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter. He always posts. Pictures of him doing his, his workout starting at 4.30 in the morning, and he's an insane person. But anyway, um, the idea that law enforcement doesn't have like a 20% of their time spent training ratio when we invest or allow so much power in independent decision-making authority that we don't want to constantly be sharpening those skills is insane, and he's not wrong. The idea that, oh, well, they'll, they get like uh, 15 hours a year of conflict resolution training. Should be like 15 hours a month, guys, at least. Because half, yeah. half of what you do is, I mean, I, I, this is from, you know, I'm not in law enforcement. I would say this is an ignoramus perspective, but it sure seems like half of what you do is conflict resolution. At least half. Yeah. So... Well, you know, Dorf, even if it doesn't end in... More time should be... I I understand it's a funding thing, funding, funding, funding. But the idea that... That that is a very legitimate criticism. Now, defund the police and reinstate the woke police 
you know, the, this, this whole line of community policing, you know, we want community policing. That's code word for pitchfork and torch mobs that their leader might have a MS in psychology, which isn't going to be terribly useful in that case. Um, no, defunding the police is not a perspective. If anything, I'm not saying you need to necessarily increase individual officer pay, but there needs to be more often, you know, you could argue more officers so you keep the same street presence, but at the same time you allow guys to, you know, officers of any any sort of, you know, a sheriff, the, the county, you know, the a city cop or whatever, or even the state police, that they need to be spending a significant more amount of their time. Say they work five days a week, which is highly unlikely in, in police shift work. Say four. One of those four days needs to be spent training. I feel like if they work uh, five-eighths, which I know doesn't happen in, the, in, that, in that world, one of those days needs to be training every week. You know, Dorf, I, 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 I don't, I don't disagree with anything you said. Um, then I know your basic point here. You went on a tangent. It was a good tangent. It's you know, but uh, you know, your basic point being that when you call the police on someone, there is a chance that someone is going to get shot. Someone's going to get undeservedly arrested. Some, you know, something is going to happen. Some conflict, some additional conflict could take place. Another problem is too is just simply the idea of reporting someone as mentally ill can cause huge problems. You know, I oh, it, an can, individual it, can, it can cause uh, irrevocable um, seizure. Let's call it of an individual's rights as a citizen of the United States. Um, just as simply, and this isn't simply, it's a huge thing. They could lose their job. They could, you know, it, it's, it can be a very big deal. And the thing is, is that it is such a fine line. It's so tough to, to try to find that area because a person is allowed to be angry. A person is allowed to be depressed. A person is allowed to be sad without being committed to a mental institution, <laughs> without having the state, um, you know, involved in their mental yeah, problems. You're allowed you know. to have bad days. Right, right. I mean, we're, you know, I if you want, it, it all depends on how it is being stressed in that particular instance, but we're all mentally ill. You know, we, we all have some sort of, you know, sickness it, there i if if there's somebody out there who you know has never been depressed has never been sad has never been angry is never you know well then I, maybe you're like super mentally ill i, I don't you know that that's I, I think anyone has had these these problems so it just depends on how harsh you want to do it and who who decides that you know who decides that so it, it is it's tough it's a fine line I sure don't. It sure as hell don't um, want an unelected bureaucrat deciding that, or, or let alone that being up to a, a pseudo public right. vote or a direct public vote. That's fucky. Right. And but Dorf, you know, at the same time, you know, there there's nobody more libertarian than me. There is nobody more anti-government, more anti-state than me. But with that being said, you know, I, I sure wish Rudy could have got some help. You know, he 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 definitely needed some, and. Um, you know, I, I wish he could have got some. Um, you know, Dorothy, you know, I mentioned that, you know, we hadn't spoken in some time. And 
I admit, you know, this is a, a kind of a big admittal for me, but, you know, I, um, I had gotten kind of tired of some of um, his antics, you know, so I was speaking to him much more sparingly than I had in the past. And I admit, you know, I, I look back now and when I was, when this was, you know, burned into my brain and I was just thinking about it and thinking about it over and over again, I couldn't help but think even about myself to say, shit, Josh, maybe if you just would have kept talking to him, maybe you could have helped, you know? You know, maybe I could have, uh, you know, maybe I could have done something. Maybe, uh, maybe if he was still talking to me two, three times a week, like he was a year or two ago, you know, maybe I, maybe a simple, you know, hey man, it'll be all right, calm down, <laughs> you know, could have been very helpful in what was obviously an extremely uh, trying and tumultuous situation. Mm -hmm. Over there, so I, you know, um, I know it's not my fault, but I, I still, you know, I can't help but think, yeah, you know, maybe if you were still there for him, maybe, uh, maybe uh, something could have, maybe I could have done something positive, but it's too late for that, you know. That's that that's hindsight. That's uh, as you put it, Monday morning quarterbacking. And uh, well, what you've just survived there, or survived, uh, described there is textbook uh, survivor's guilt. So. Just hang in there, dude. It's not your fault. Thank you. It'll be all right. Thank you. Um, you know, I mean, it, you know, mix that with that. It's just kind of weird, you know. Rudy was, uh, he was this guy, for all his faults, he was, um, you know, he was a total health nut. You know, the guy, was, the guy was a total, the guy was a total health nut. Never drank, never smoked, never did drugs, never in his life, you know, none of that stuff. And, uh, you know, he was always a funny dude, you know. I mean, he, he even the even people that didn't like him couldn't help but acknowledge it. You know, he he definitely uh, he had his moments. He he had the gift of humor and could uh, say that outrageous thing that you didn't want to laugh at but couldn't help laughing. And yeah, it's true. I mean, the guy told me he was he was a year older than me, but he told me he was gonna outlive me so many times that uh, I found it, um, you know, I. You know, totally believed it, of course, you know. I mean, the guy was just, you know, Mr. Health Nut, and he criticized me for the way I ate and smoking cigars and everything else. And, you know, I was – he – I never argued with him. I was totally convinced that he was going to outlive me by 20 years. So uh, that's just, uh, I don't know, all for not, I guess. But, um, yeah, I mean, I – you know, I even thought about little things in the past. You know, I mean, there's been, I mean, God, I, I, I thought about, I, maybe I shouldn't even say this, but I mean, I used to, you, it would be easy to find, though, in social media posts and in things. I mean, I feel like at some point I'm going to be criticized because I, you know, used to refer to him as Machine Gun Rudy, but that had nothing to do with <laughs> anything that, uh, that he did. That, that was just the way he talked. You know the, the way he spoke and the way he would super, super you know, fast talk rattle. Yeah, yeah, super fast and the way he could you know rattle off uh, you know fifteen social media posts in thirty seconds and just rip somebody apart in the way that only Rudy Freddie could do. You know, and like I said, it's even when you were on the butt end of it sometimes, and I was a few times. Uh, you couldn't help but kind of smirk and 
to chuckle about it because he uh, he he could uh, he could rattle them off pretty good. Um, other than once again, you know, we can we can talk we can branch out and some other things if there's something else you want to say, Dorf. But but um, other than the Rudy Ferretti, you know, or when it comes to the Rudy Ferretti topic and um, Amy Moulter, rest in peace. I, um, you know, there isn't anything else that I need to say. I think I've said plenty to cause enough controversy tonight and get me in trouble. And, um, but I do, um, like I said, you know, I, I do, I do think it needed to be said. Okay. You know, I do. I do think that. Well, I, I don't have anything to add tonight. Um, I'm all set to wrap this up. If you are, anything else you want to add before I uh, start the outro? No, just, uh, I, I, you know, it, it may be, as, as I've stated, it, it may be um, it may be an outdated sentiment in 2020. Um, but uh, my most heartfelt thoughts and prayers do go out to the families of Amy Moulter and Rudy Freddy. And uh, I, I hope people are coping with this as best as possible and uh good evening all right so that's gonna wrap it up here episode 11 of the empire next podcast uh back on our normal schedule tuesday 7 a.m couple different locations that you can see on your screen don't be a problem before uh, so josh and Dorf, we'll see you all next time <laughs>